Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. So let's have a look at those words from John's Gospel about Thomas in a little bit more detail. Luke affirms in the second chapter of the book of Acts through Peter that God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. And Peter, in his letter, says, What a wonderful message is the gospel, the good news. So wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching. And yet, as we read in John's Gospel this morning, the account of the events after the resurrection, we find the disciples huddled together behind locked doors. Despite having been told by Mary Magdalene that she had seen the empty tomb, that she had seen angels, that she had seen and heard and spoken with the risen Jesus, and she had even been given a message for the disciples from him. Only days ago, they had gone through a terrible and traumatic time. They had seen Jesus arrested, tried, sentenced, beaten, mocked and humiliated. They had witnessed the sickening horror of the crucifixion, his death and his burial in the tomb. They were in deep shock and grief. And then they had heard Mary's story. They had seen the empty tomb. And now, I imagine, they were bewildered. Scripture tells us that they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. But I guess that they were also afraid of what was a supernatural happening of the most extreme kind. Their beloved leader, their Lord, had been killed before their eyes and yet now was apparently alive. They had seen him dead and in the tomb, and yet now he was apparently alive. They must have had so many questions. There must have been so much confusion, so much fear, let alone absolute exhaustion. And into this comes Jesus. Not through the door, but out of the blue. Jesus, recognisable, speaking to them, in his familiar voice, as he had spoken to Mary. No ghost, this, but a living, vibrant person, back in their midst again. And he shows them his hands and his side. Undeniable proof that it did happen. The nails, the cross, the whole horrible crucifixion, but that he was alive again. The Bible doesn't record the questions, the reactions. Nowadays, in our media, every little detail is recorded. But we don't have that. We don't have their reactions, except to say that they were filled with joy. And then Jesus breathed on them. No rushing wind yet, no tongues of fire, but a gentle, warm breath. Yet more proof, if they needed any, that this was no ghost, no spirit, but Jesus, 
in person. And that intimate act of breathing on them, breathing into them the Holy Spirit, gave them authority, God-given authority, to forgive sins. We're not told how long Jesus spent with his disciples. We're not told when and how he left them. But we do know that Thomas missed out. He wasn't there when Jesus came. And understandably, he wanted that experience for himself. His reaction to the disciples who had seen Jesus was one of disbelief, saying, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, unless I put my fingers into them and place my hands into the wound at his side. He needed to see for himself. And you know, I've got some sympathy for Thomas. Over the years of of my Christian life, There have been times when things have happened in services, things have happened to other people that I've missed out on. And I've been sceptical. I've put them down to hysteria, to imagination. But secretly, I've longed to have those experiences for myself. I won't believe it, said Thomas, unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Who can blame him? having missed out on such a wonderful revelation, such an amazing meeting with Christ. And because of that very human and natural reaction, poor Thomas has been labelled ever since as doubting Thomas. And yet Thomas's record as a disciple is actually one of a faithful follower. When Jesus announced his intention of going up to Jerusalem and the other disciples had expressed their doubts, because his life was in danger, it was Thomas who said, let us also go, that we may die with him. Pessimistic, not exactly looking on the bright side, but fiercely loyal. And at the Last Supper, when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and where I go you know, and the way you know, it was Thomas who replied, Lord, we know not where you're going, how can we know the way? And to this, Jesus answered with one of the most wonderful verses in the Bible. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas is mentioned again as one of the seven disciples fishing on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus appeared to them. And apart from that, he only appears as a name in a list of disciples. But eight days later, When the disciples are huddled together behind locked doors, once again, Jesus appears to them. And this time, Thomas was with them. Peace be with you, said Jesus to all of them. And then especially to Thomas. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound at my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And then Thomas became the first person to acknowledge just who Jesus is. My Lord and my God, he cried. And he puts into words the truth that Jesus is both Lord and God. He utters one of the greatest confessions of faith recorded anywhere in the Bible. And Jesus replies, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
So Thomas, who doubted once, became an outspoken advocate for his Lord. Church tradition tells us that he he preached in ancient Babylon, where Iraq is today. He travelled to Persia, present-day Iran, and then onto the west coast of India, preaching, establishing churches, winning many to Christ. And when Portuguese sailors landed in India in the early 1600s, they found already there was a community of Christians there, the Martoma Church, established through Thomas's teaching a millennium and a half before. When I visited Kerala in southern India a few years ago now, the Christian faith of the people there was evident and strong. There were many churches and church schools, and many of them were called St. Thomas's. And tradition has, had, has it that Thomas was killed in India in about 72 AD. But, you know, when you go to Kerala, the lorries, the vans, even the little shops have all got Christian verses written on them. And the, the gentleman who was driving us around, the first thing he said to us was, I'm a Christian man. And it was so good. I felt so at home there. So Thomas, although he doubted, was used mightily by God. His reaction was a very human one. He wanted proof. He wanted to see with his own eyes. He wanted to be absolutely sure of what he heard. And graciously, Jesus allowed him to do just that. So what does this tell us of Jesus? We've been looking since Christmas at who is this guy? So what does this story of Thomas tell us about Jesus? Firstly, he knew Thomas. Nothing is hidden from Jesus. He knew what Thomas's words had been. He knew what Thomas's reaction had been to the disciples' news. And he knew that Thomas wanted to see with his own eyes and touch with his own hands. He knew exactly what Thomas needed to believe. And he knows each one of us. Of course he does. Scripture tells us that he knew us before we were born. He knows all about us. And so he knows exactly what we need to come to faith and to come into deeper faith. He doesn't get angry with Thomas. He doesn't criticize him for his weakness, for his natural human reaction at having missed seeing the risen Lord. No, he comes especially to him. He answers his need and he allows Thomas to experience for himself the scars, the nails, the wound. He gives him what he needs to come to faith. And isn't that an encouraging word for all of us? Because Jesus does the same for us. He commends those who are able to believe without seeing, but for those whose faith is less strong, he comes And he reveals himself in all kinds of ways. There are some who have seen angels. Some who have heard a heavenly voice speaking to them. Some who have witnessed signs and wonders. Miracles of healing. He reveals himself through words of scriptures. When sometimes a scripture will jump off the page at you and you know it's for you. Through the words of a hymn. Through the timely visit of a Christian friend 
or through an answered prayer. There are so many ways that Jesus comes to us and reveals himself. And each revelation is tailored exactly to suit the person. I remember on an Alpha course that I was helping with once, there was a lady there who was really anti everything that we did in the Alpha course. And when it got to the Holy Spirit Day, she came on it, but then she refused to join in the prayer time when people were asking to receive the Holy Spirit, and she walked out. And I spoke to her afterwards and, and, and asked her, well, what, why? And she said, I just can't. I don't get it, and I don't like it. And I said, well, all I can say to you is that when you go home, ask Jesus to explain it to you. Ask him to reveal himself to you. And she huffed and puffed and she went off not very happy. (laughs) But the next time I met that lady, she came to me with a huge smile on her face. Guess what happened, she said. I did pray that Jesus would show me what this was all about because I really didn't like it. She said, and in the night, I woke up and I heard singing in my bedroom. She said, and I heard the words, I am the Lord who healeth thee. And it was that lovely chorus, I am the Lord who healeth thee. And she said, I could hear this beautiful singing and I woke up my husband. Now her husband was suffering from terminal cancer and he had been very poorly. And they listened and he heard it too. And they listened to this singing and then he was able to go back to sleep peacefully without any pain and he woke it the next morning feeling much better. But she knew without a doubt that never mind all the stuff that that she'd been hearing, Jesus was real and Jesus wanted to be her Lord and he had done that just for her. Her worry was for her husband and that song came to reassure her that Jesus was in charge of their situation. Wow, what an amazing God we've got. And she's gone on to receive the Lord and to go deeper into faith, which was a great blessing because her husband died and it was his great wish that she would know the Lord before he went on to be with him. The final words of this chapter of John speak of many other miraculous signs that occurred as well as the ones recorded in the gospel. But he says, these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So do we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God? If so, we have life by the power of that name. And the kind of life that Jesus wants for us is described as rich, satisfying, life in abundance, life to the full, overflowing, the strength to come through whatever situation that we're in. That's what Jesus wants for us. Now, we may not have the risen Lord Jesus standing here in the flesh this morning, but I believe that that is entirely possible if he wanted to be here But we do have him with us in the spirit. And I know that one day 
those of us who believe in him will see him face to face. We have his words read in my Bible. We have his story. We have his testimony and the testimony of those who saw him. We have the prophecies of those who spoke about him. We have the proof of those encounters, those times when we know that lives have been touched by him, when prayers have been answered, when impossible things have happened, or when we've sensed his prompting to go and do something or speak to someone and it's been just the right timing. That's not coincidence. That's God's incidence. I keep a journal and I write down things that have happened to me, Bible verses that have jumped out to me, proofs for me that God is real, that it isn't just a story, proof that God knows me personally, that he hears me, that he answers me, proof that he loves me and that I'm precious to him. You know, I love those verses in the first chapter of Peter's second letter, where he says, we're not making up clever stories. We saw his majestic splendor. We heard, we ourselves heard that voice from heaven. It's a bit like Max's voice voice when he says, I know, because I was there. But we also can know and believe in the reality of the risen Lord Jesus for ourselves. If, like Thomas, you've come so far with the Lord, but you can't quite take that leap of faith to believe. Be assured this morning that Jesus knows you. He knows your heart. And if you truly want to know him more, simply ask him, Lord, show me. And he will in a way that is special and unique for you. He will take you on to the next step. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me, says Jesus. We've given thanks today that we have a risen saviour and he knows our weaknesses, he knows our unbelief, our doubt, but he graciously reveals himself to us in many ways. Thomas was able to go on and do what a witness does best, which is to say what he'd seen, what he'd heard, what he knew, and then he let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the work of convincing It's my prayer that we can all proclaim like Thomas, my Lord and my God, and that like Thomas, we too can go on to lead others to know the truth that Jesus is Lord. Now, Graham Kendrick wrote a song called I Know He Lives, and the words are going to go up on the screen, and we're going to use the first part of those words as a declaration to lead into prayer. Now, it may be that, like Thomas, you have doubts. We might be like the man who brought his sick child to Jesus and declared, I believe, help thou my unbelief. We might be like that woman in the Alpha course who just didn't feel ready to take that step of faith. But wherever we are in our faith, we can be assured that God knows our hearts and our intentions. And if we ask him, We can trust him to reveal himself to us in a way that is just right for us. And he'll give us our own stories to tell. So if you can, join with me. If you will, join with me in declaring these words based in scripture. And we'll continue then in prayer. Let us pray. Let's say together. 
we have a strong and certain hope, fixed and unchanging, not in vain. We have a friend in heaven's court since Jesus rose to life again. We have an anchor for the soul since Jesus' blood has made a way, sorry, I'll do this a little bit, into the deepest heart of God before the Father's throne of grace. Now we can all do it. I know he lives, Jesus is alive, and he reigns in glory now. I know he lives, and with him will rise. Hallelujah. I know he lives. Thank you, Father, that we can know without doubt that Jesus is alive, that he is risen, and that through his Holy Spirit he lives in us. Thank you that you graciously reveal yourself to us when we cry out to you. May we, like Thomas, go on in your name from strength to strength, witnessing to the gospel message that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we have life in his name. In his name we ask it. Amen.